What's up, podcast? Welcome to the Mid-Level Show. This is one of our brand new shows on performance medicine audio featuring the mid-levels of performance medicine in a roundtable environment discussing this past week's Dictations podcast by Dr. Rogers. And the purpose of, of this new show is just to give you guys a different perspective on the topics discussed in the Dictations podcast with Dr. Rogers and the Doctor's Note, uh, of course, which is the weekly newsletter written by Dr. Rogers. And it's just super cool. I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. Uh, in this week's episode, the mid-levels of performance medicine discuss the interview Dr. Rogers did with Dr. Robin Branca on the psychological impact of COVID-19. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to let you guys get to the mid-level show. Here is the first mid-level show featuring the mid-levels of performance medicine. The illness, but what's ongoing? What are going to be long-term things if I do get this, and, and I, if I recover, or if I, if I, um, if I don't recover, if I do recover and have um, secondary uh, consequences from the illness? And so I think um, going through all the things that Dr. Rogers uh, and, and Dr. Bronca provided with those um, that that list of ten, and you know, just like oh, really taking your great. thoughts captive. Yeah. Yes. And, the, the mental component of making sure um, you get the, the way she gave us to get that anxiety in check, I think is just really profound. Do you feel like any of those stuck out to you with her top 10 of what to do? For me, for me, it was limiting news because I'm not yes. really a use news junkie, but just how inundated, I feel like we're inundated with information in our culture anyways, which he's talked about in the past too, with why so many people are on ADHD medications. We're inundated with information and now we're on information overload that's very fear-based and she talks about fear-based information too so we take that in and our brain i feel like is so biologically innately smart that it is interpreting that information whether or not we really feel like okay that might be exaggerated our brain may not take that and we get somatic symptoms from that okay kara what do you think about with do you feel we're we're in the tri-cities we're in a lower risk area knoxville's a small city, but much larger than the Tri-Cities and what we're experiencing. Is there, do you feel like there's a difference between people in Knoxville, people in the Tri-Cities, even people in Nashville? I feel like it just kind of keeps escalating that fear. What are your thoughts? Well, I have been uh, seeing a lot of people wearing masks out in, out in public. I even saw a lady today driving her car with a mask on. I did pellets earlier today and my patient came in with a mask and we're all wearing mask and gloves when we're seeing patients, but uh, seeing um, people that are limiting going out, they are maintaining social distancing, they're wearing masks, they seem to be very conscientious um, and respectful of other people, you know, kind of waiting back farther in line. And um, so I think they are taking an active role in that. Um, back to what you were talking about with Dr. Bronca, you know, she was talking about um, COVID-19 being the invisible enemy. It's right. something we can't see. And um, some of the effects that um, with the isolation. And so that's why it's very important to stay connected with family and friends, coworkers, you know, these Zoom meetings. I Zoomed with a, um, a classmate the other night uh, just to see her, you know, just to see her and talk to her. And um, also with my niece and nephew, because you know, you don't get to see people. You're kind of stuck at home with your same family and 
So just staying connected, even if it's just a phone call or email. And like she said, just really taking this time to self-reflect and being in the moment. So I yeah. think I, and physically. Thank physically you. so important. Yeah. So you're, you suggest and agree getting outside. We yes. got it. I mean, you don't have to be within six feet of people outside, but getting outside is important. We don't have to be stuck indoors. We're lucky in Tennessee that there aren't any laws against that to where you can be outside. Let's mm -hmm. also, you bring up a good point. I forget how thankful I am that we're in an age, a digital age to where we're actually able to connect online. I've, I've talked to people that I haven't talked to in a really long time, just because they have a house, you know, there's house party, there's zoom, there's FaceTime. So it's almost an excuse to, to actually reach out and to cook at home. Good Lord. We've cooked at home a lot more than we probably more in the past week and a half than I have my entire life. <laughs> yes. One yes, of the things said that I thought really stuck out to me was eating being key because yeah. like you're talking about eating at home and like, you know, our life with three kids that are four, two and one, we are home a lot just because getting everybody ready and getting out of the house is exhausting at times. And we, and we eat at home because they're so young going out's hard, but, but our routine has been interrupted because we used to go to the library on Tuesdays and go to uh, Bible State Fellowship on Wednesday mornings. We had these set routines that are now totally disrupted and we're home. There's no playground. So it's just. What? How so, is that with your kids? Like how Dr. Bronca had that on, uh, I think it was number five. Like routine is key. Getting in a yeah. routine with your day to get your days, you know, going on, it makes it. Um, purposeful in some ways mm -hmm. do you find that you have three young kids do you find that fear there's a an exacerbated fear do you feel like uh, a fear of bringing it home to them i know that i have different sets of friends where some friends are like oh my kids have probably already had it they're fine ranging to oh don't get anywhere near me because i'm not bringing it home what what are yeah. your thoughts with having three young kids I've been, well, I've been thankful that they have not been a super high risk population base. That has been a real uh, fear reliever. I think if, if I saw it um, being contracted by kids a lot, I would probably be really freaking out. So, um, you know, I, I only work on weekends and Scott, um, his, he's an essential worker. So he's at the Eastern State right. Union and he goes every day. And so I do make him change, but it's a very limited environment that they set up. So um, it, I, I would say I probably lean more towards the, we had, had this back in like over November, <laughs> but, um, but no, but yeah, it is a real concern though, regardless of, you know, your kids. I, guess. I want Fran to jump in on this, uh, conversation too. So Fran, um, just a little bit of background. We should have given background on each other too, because this is kind of our first behind the doctor's note with all the advanced practitioners, but we're the two physicians assistants in the rooms and Karen, Amber are nurse practitioners and Fran is back in the game. Um, also too with college age kids. And I don't know if you want to share that experience of your son with appendix, if you're okay with sharing it. Yes. Perfect. Cause this is a very interesting cause, cause too, with something that would be treatable by emergency surgery, kind of being held mm. back and treated differently because of what's happening. So he's a senior at WashU, and um, go, I got a call that he was at an urgent care, and they were sending him to the ER, and he had, they said, cholecystitis or gallstones. And I, um, I was like, okay, call me when you get there. And he gets there, and I get in touch with the ER doc, and he says, 
well, first of all, your son has an acute appendicitis. And I said, well, you know, my husband's a physician and I'm a PA and I am nine and a half hours away and I do not want you to operate on my son unless it's emergent, unless I'm there and I'm not even allowed in the hospital. So I was really just, ah. he's still my baby even though he's 22. And so he said, well, there is another way to treat appendicitis and because of COVID-19 and everything that's going on, we really don't want him here in the hospital. And so they gave him IV antibiotics overnight and looked at his white cell count in the morning and it was way down and it hadn't even been that high. It was only like 1,200 and by morning it was 4,000. And they sent him home on um, Flagyl and I think a fluoroquinone. And when I got him back here to Johnson City, I took him to a surgeon and he basically, he switched the antibiotics for me because I wasn't crazy about the one and um, put him on Augmentin kept him here for two weeks and now he's back at school taking his courses wow. online nice. and so medicine is just always changing and mm -hmm. you know this is not the standard of care for an mm -hmm. acute appendicitis but mm -hmm. I'm reading the studies they're finding about 70% of uncomplicated acute appendicitis do just fine on antibiotics as long as there's no comorbidities we're talking about a healthy 22 year old athlete no right. fecal nothing else on um exam so just thought it, it was very interesting it was a, a lot of driving 17 hours in yeah i, also, I just went and that's my so interesting too what wow. how that wow. standard of care may change we find that we may not need to when i had append i had appendicitis and that baby was out before i even could blink <laughs> i mean it was just out. Yeah. same day yes. i was in there and they took that out so I, i'm interested to see too just how much a, what's going to be a positive change? Because that could be a positive change. Maybe an unnecessary surgery that we didn't right. need at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, two, with unnecessary, I just had a patient in here that was doing pellets on uh, that's also a medical provider. Um, we talked about unnecessary testing, just how many MRIs and CTs we're doing and how many mm -hmm. we're not doing now. So maybe there will be a, yeah. maybe there may be some positives that come yeah. out of this as well. Yeah. Cause you always want to keep your organs if you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Listen, I do not miss my appendix. It was the worst pain I've ever been. <laughs> I was also higher risk. It ruptured. I was a diabetic. Well, yeah, so I, I was a high risk. It needed to come out. When they ruptured, they have to come out. Yeah. It's, it's just interesting. But it's also interesting, too. I've had a friend of mine who had a cousin pass away unexpectedly. Oh. They, they thought from COVID, not from COVID. Uh, but there's no funeral. There's no memorial. You can't gather wow. within five to Yay. 10 people. So it's just everything's kind of changed. I feel like, I, I guess to close this out, I know we've been, we need to bring this back to mental health. But I'm wondering what you guys may see, what do you, what changes do you expect to see in the future with medicine from, from this COVID? I'm, I feel like there's going to be some definite changes in the way we do things, the way we screen patients coming in with temperatures every mm -hmm. time, asking more about travel and their history, I feel like. Mm -hmm. um, but do you all see... Recent illness. Yeah, recent illness. Yeah. What's been happening? Did you have a fever two months ago? Um, and maybe it's something that's lingering that we don't see. But anything else do you guys expect coming out of this from a medical perspective? Well, there's a lot more telemedicine. You know, Dr. Rogers yeah. has always been kind of on the forefront of that. When I first started, I was like, uh, a telephone? Uh, I don't know about that. Like, I'm going to listen to the heart and lungs. You know, I just yeah. graduated. But now you see this whole, this, you know, telemedicine is just blowing up. I don't, you know, 
I don't know, will it continue to, to, to grow or will we go back to, cause you, you know, there is something about that patient contact and being yeah. able to sit with them and listen to them, that physical exam, it's very important. Um, but I, I see that it's gotten during this crisis, telemedicine has really helped people who couldn't get in with it for their prescriptions or even whether, you know, anxiety and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going on. Yeah. Kara, what do you think? Well, and they, we can still provide, um, you know, care for patients, whether it's over the phone or in person. And, um, but I think they really do like coming in and seeing us just yeah. as much as we like seeing them, just that interaction. And like you said, um, hands on, you know, listening to their heart and their lungs and um, something about that uh, contact. And uh, so most patients I, I talk to, it doesn't matter if they live, you know, in Gatlinburg and they have to drive a long way, they, they still would prefer to come into the office, but we've been able to fax them lab orders. We've emailed, we've scanned and um, faxed, you know, we've done all kinds of different things um, to, to make sure we're, you know, caring for them. And uh, we've been able, like uh, you were saying earlier, Amber, about uh, accommodating, you know, for certain situations, we can't always just, you know, be so rigid. We do have to be accommodating and make, you know, make um, adjustments, you know, what's going on around us. So. And that helps too. That helps ease a lot of anxiety of how am I going to get my medicines from, and from us being in the office today, how am I going to get my hormones? Uh, hormones mm-hmm. are essential. And, and it's, it's needed. Yes. Too. So that ease for patients too, that they're still able to come in. Fran, what do you think? I, for the whole like telemedicine thing, I think it's going to be a game changer. Yeah. I think we are moving in that direction. And I think we can keep people out of emergency rooms that don't need to be there. Um, we can keep sick people that don't really need to be seen out of the office infecting other people. There's a lot mm. that can be done over the phone that I think will be beneficial to everyone, especially in reducing cost, which I think is one of the huge problems in medicine today. Yeah. So if we can reduce cost and still give quality care, you can just yeah. be kind of the gatekeeper of, yes, you need to be seen. Yeah. And you need yeah. to be seen now. And you need to get yourself mm-hmm. to the ER now. Yeah. You can have more mm-hmm. of that instead of um, people waiting too long. Um, mm-hmm. Just more accessibility. I think that's and 20, great. And 24-hour. I mean, yeah. I always, yeah. I, I almost see it as like Uber. There could be like the Uber of medicine. Like people sign up to work when they're free, right? You know, I'm going to take the shift from 12 to 2 a.m. And if there's any mental health calls, I'm going to, you know, field them and, just, you need there's to like so many that ideas idea. that someone's going to take that that copyright. You need to copyright that idea right now. Right, like when you have uh, a free afternoon. Uber Med. Uber Med. Uber yeah. Med. Like Uber. <laughs> it's called Uber Med. Do not tell any. Do not tell. We will not publish this, this podcast until you actually copyright that day and put a patent on it. Well, you know, patients will call in and she'll say, "Well, you're due for a follow up. Well, can you do it right now? Sure. You know, sure. and and yeah. so like." We're saying accessibility That's and not huge. have to schedule an appointment and come in. Well, can you do it right now? Like, okay, sure. You know. Well, in reference to Dr. Brink and Dr. Rogers, know on the, like the focus this week was mental health. I any takeaways you want people that are listening or viewing this right now? Any takeaways that you think are essential? My mind from that is definitely 
limiting our our information in, intake. She said mm-hmm. five minutes from a reliable news source. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I find a lot of the information that's shared via social media is is very uh, dangerous because if they talk about the dopamine release from the fear-based part of your brain, the amygdala, there's a brain, a great book called um, Brainwash that talks about that connection between the prefrontal cortex with the logical part of your brain and the amygdala, the dopamine fear-based part of your brain. And that dopamine dump is right on top of the amygdala. What gets a dopamine dump? Clicks, yes, likes on social media, all these dopamine releases, and that's all our fear-based center. I feel like a lot of young people today have way more anxiety than ever before, and I feel a lot of it is due to quick information that's not always reliable or well-sourced. What what else do you feel like would be mm-hmm. takeaways? My biggest takeaway, because I think my kiddos are waking up, my biggest <laughs> takeaway, I, want, I wrote down, because I was like, this is so good, and yeah. I wanted to share was what she talked about gratitude and being thankful. And I literally, this morning, we didn't do it at dinner, but this morning I was like, kids, you know, what's one thing you're thankful for? And Liz is like, my princess bed. And of course, Will's like, you know, mommy, daddy. And, you know, it's just like remembering what we're thankful for because my pastor said something on Wednesday, meditation and worry are the same thing, really. Because what you're worrying about, you're meditating on. You're continuously meditation. But, you know, instead of, worrying you know focus those thoughts more positively and be the the things you're thankful for like dr bronca said the the studies that have shown people who speak what they're grateful for or uh, write a thankful journal live longer or happier more satisfied so that was my big takeaway that i wanted to um, even especially in my own life because there's plenty of times i go through the stages of covid where i'm like super this is awesome we're all together to like these kids are not <laughs> so uh, i think being grateful and being thankful really stuck out to me that's great kara what do you think well one thing that your dad has also reiterated is that we're here for the patient we're here for them and we took an oath in school and um and like dr bronca said you know she hasn't seen a healthcare provider that's kind of bowed out and said no i'm not going to go no i'm not going to be there and it's the same for us and and you know your dad really felt like you know now's the time for us to really step in and that's what we do you know we're here to take care of patients and we're here for them so i think that's great Fran, what do you think? My big takeaway from the whole thing and and her talk is that you really need to be responsible for your own health and you need to look at things and keep up with everything because I don't feel that fearful because I've done a lot of tests. I know that I have a good immune system. I did the spectra cell. Look at your immunity. There's, There's so many things you can look at and change to give yourself the best odds and the best chance. And I think we're here at Performance Medicine to point everyone in that direction, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Holy yeah, crap, well that's said. good. That is well said, because that, that's <laughs> true. I, I've never, I have not felt the fear of, I have not felt, I have a comorbidity of type one diabetes, I should be conscious, but I do not have that fear because of my access to performance medicine and knowing if anybody's looking stuff up, it's dad and he is yes. on top of it. He will not tell patients to do anything he is not doing. Um, and th- and that I feel very lucky in that respect and lucky for all of us too, that we get to work closely with this. That's very important. 
keeping up your own immune system. It is mental health, but part of mental health is physical health as well. They're connected mind, body, spirit. That's good. Ooh, that's good. We'll end with that. This is great. Thank you all for tuning in with us. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, Fran. This is so fun. We're going to do this every week, and I hope everybody tunes in. Um, and maybe, too, we're just going to have a very special, you know, niche market into the advanced practitioner. I was telling Fran with, like, mid-level versus advanced. You know, have you ever have you ever gotten that? Like, oh, you're a mid-level. Like, I I don't know if you all, you all have ever gotten that, but I know people that get upset about that terminology, and it doesn't not much bugs me or offends me. So I'm like, that ah, doesn't matter. But, um, the PAs and the MPs, I feel like are going to be really big and integral parts of medicine as medicine continues to progress, especially after COVID. So you're looking at the forefront of medicine. If you're looking at this video, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Okay, thank you to our providers. We'll see you soon. Take care. Next week. Thank you. Bye. See you later. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.